I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. So voice search in mobile is way more convenient than any other application right now. Desktop's going away and the future is voice the screen. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Two really exciting things since our last podcast. First, and Mike will get to this later because we got a guest, so I got to get him involved real quickly. Uh, but pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training and they are playing baseball games. So um, our, our new year has begun. Um, and, and today we are lucky to have a guest. I'm going to let him speak for himself. Jeff, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Doug and Mike, for having me. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Atkinson. I'm the founder and CEO of a startup, software startup in Park City, Utah called Huckabye. I'm the former SVP of marketing for Overstock.com. And Huckabye is a search engine optimization software startup that's uh, got some really big customers like Salesforce and SAP. And we are growing like a weed right now. So thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love the idea of a podcast that is like sports talk radio because I'm from the Boston area. And there's a lot of sports talk radio in Boston. Audie, you're the second person that I've talked to on this podcast, actually, that was in Boston and is in Park City, Utah. Um, okay. And I have to tell you that, that um, Justin Hyatt is, um, is hmm. the other person. Justin ran, um, he ran SDR teams for Salesforce, went to HubSpot, went to InsideSales.com and is now at, I think it's Workday or Work, I forget what the name of the. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so he went to Utah. I thought that was, he was all, yeah. all tatted up and he's now, uh, <laughs> yeah. so what brought you from, I have more important than SEO. What brought you from Boston to Utah? Yeah. So, uh, I was a ski racer actually in college oh. <clears throat> and I went to school on the East coast and then I really wanted to just be a ski bum after school. But my mom's like, we just spent all this money to get you through school. You got to take a job interview. Ended up taking a job interview at Overstock. Uh, the founder and CEO was, a uh, a fellow alumni of mine, and came out here in 2005. I'd been here before for ski racing and just for vacation as well. It's a beautiful state. Um, And Park City is, you know, a mountain town. It's beautiful. I can walk to the ski lift. Um, So, yeah, you know, here I am, what, 15 years later. uh, I'm a a Utah resident. So between meetings, you can go take a couple runs and – Oh, yeah. Be right back at it. Very interesting. Yeah, we do it all the time. That's very Are you cool. saying that the mountains in Utah and Park City are better than the mountains on the East Coast? Is that what you're saying? I am saying that. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, a, not even a stretch. I, I, I think that's one of the few things we can all agree on. Even I have to agree. And I can disagree with just better me thing. Alrighty. Yeah. So uh, I know people will probably, they may have been more interested in us talking about uh, skiing and ski racing, <laughs> but uh, instead... Um, as you mentioned, you you kind of have this deep background in SEO. I will share with you up front that I'm a a bit of a a bit of an SEO skeptic. Um, so um, here's your opportunity to win me over. How's that? So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, before we get into that, like Jeff, I want to I want to dig in a little bit of like how did how did you get into SEO? Um, super cool that you started off at uh, Overstock. You know, how, how, how'd you get into it? Like, what, what, what were your learnings and, and, and made you decide to start something around, uh, you know, a company behind it? So, 
I first heard of SEO in like 2006, 2007. I had never even heard the term before. I was on the email marketing team. I think maybe I'd moved up a little bit more than that. I started really on the ground floor at Overstock. And we had an exec who had met this guy named Paul, um, Paul Bremer, who's out of San Diego. And he, he was, they just met at a conference. And she was like, Jeff, you really need to meet this guy and just like spend some time on the phone with him. Like two hours later, I, I was like, I remember going straight up to the CEO's office, Patrick Byrne, being like, taking the marker out on the whiteboard and explaining what SEO was. And we were both just like, what is this? You can get all this free traffic by organizing your site. And we were already a pretty big brand. So it was, you know, we could go from zero to 60, like real fast. And that's what we did. We went from zero to 300 million in revenue in like four years. So uh, I got into it through this, this friend of mine, Paul, and he just, you know, he taught me what it was all about. And we were fortunate enough to have Patrick, the CEO, basically say, you have an unlimited budget to go after this. And I think at some point we had like 40 people working on SEO, but that's because it's a $300 million channel. So you really can't even spend enough to, to make the ROI look like any other channel. So that's how I got into it. And then I found that the industry like I don't blame you for being a skeptic because the industry in general has an NPS score, a net promoter score of zero. So you'd rather go to your dentist than deal with an SEO agency or whatever. And the reason for that is, is that it is a services driven industry. It's all agencies and consultants that can't make the fundamental changes to a website, the technical changes that actually drive growth. And so I just saw this, this industry completely misguided and really in need of disruption. And so that's when Huckabye comes in. We are software that specifically targets the technical conversation between a website and Google. And it turns out if you do what Google says you should do and you listen to them and you build your site, you know, the way that they want it, you get the results. So our average customer grows 62% in 12 months and those are some big customers. So, um, you know, Doug, I don't blame you for being a skeptic because here's an industry that everyone hates and we're here to revive that and disrupt it. Once again, Doug, once again, a super successful marketer that has understood the technical components of something. Um, <laughs> in Jeff's a bit of background, we've, we've gotten into some, some interesting uh, discussions and arguments about, um, I think the, the best marketers that I've had uh, or that I've met and, and et cetera in my career are the ones that understand the underlying technical reasons. It's, you, you come from an email background. If you don't have the fundamental email technology or un underlying pinnings there, you can, uh, you know, you're not going to get the results you want. Yeah, I mean, I call myself a technically minded marketer. So I think a good CMO is now a good CTO. Your best ROI investments are always in technology. So whether it's CRM, email marketing, conversion rate optimization, SEO, you'll always get like a five to 10 X ROI. A lot of paid channels are just, we call it like crack, you know, you get addicted to it and it's not sustainable. It's not scalable. So yeah, I mean, all our big achievements at Overstock, when you think about, you know, Overstock success, there really was technical investments. Uh, I worked with more developers than I did, you know, marketers. And I, I kind of prefer it that way. All right. Well, first off, let me tell you, you, you won Mike over when you said you were in email marketing. So like he, you, you could have just like muttered and mumbled the rest of the way and, and, and you would have been on Mike's team. Uh, but Mike, I think, 
I think you think that we disagree in an area that we don't actually disagree on. I just said that, that every marketer, um, I didn't say that it's a bad thing to know. Anyhow, Jeff, how has SEO changed? Because I, I will acknowledge that it, it is a different, it's a very different beast right now. Um, mm -hmm. so, so how has it changed in the last five years? I think uh, it's changed a lot, first off. And again, going back to sort of why this industry needs disruption, it is really living in like 2005 right now, the industry. And Google, you have this ferocious market leader in Google, right? They're like the most agile, fast. They've got all the resources in the world. And so, you know, the algorithm and how they rank things and how they display search results, everything's changed. And so it is... Um, it's, it's much more complicated. You can't trick them at all anymore. You can't, you know, buy backlinks, stuff, keywords, like all those things are gone. Um, they care a lot about, <clears throat> we look at the macro trends and maybe it's just best for me to give you the macro trends. So like one macro trend is mobile, right? Every algorithm update over the last 10 years has supported mobile friendliness and getting more, you know, page speed, another one, um, structured data, which is something that Huckabye actually automates. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of sort of, uh, voice search. There's a lot of macro trends that Google's like heading towards. And it's really Huckabye's job, in my opinion, to make, I'm not here to you know sell Huckabye, but I'll, I'll tell you like why I do it. It's because we're trying to track those major trends. And as a result, align our customers to what Google's looking for. So there's a lot of big macro trends out there and the algorithm has changed significantly. I mean, you look at a search result now versus what you got five years ago when you get 10 blue links net back and now you get, you know, rich snippets, you get uh, maps showing, you get recipes displaying, you get events displaying, uh, all sorts of new enhancements to search results. Never mind the fact that you can actually now talk to Google and they'll talk back to you. So it's a different ball game. It's a totally different ball game. There's some of the fundamentals that still exist, like backlinks are important. You know, content is important, but a lot of the the game is is no longer you know sort of done in a black hat in the back alley. It's it's uh, out in the open, and you know, fortunately, they're pretty forefront with uh, with what they want. So so I want to I want I want to question out a couple of things with you, and 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 hit some of the points where where my skepticism comes and and what I think is the voice of a lot of uh, key executives in, in the mid-market, um, especially. But, you know, people throw around the term technical when they talk about SEO and everyone nods and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think most people probably are not necessarily clear. And certainly, I'm sure a lot of listeners are, don't know what specifically <clears throat> technical means. So without, without going too much into depth, because I know you could probably spend hours about that, what, what, do, what do you mean by technical SEO or the technical components? Technical SEO, in my opinion, so if you think about how much time and energy and money we spend on the user and what's the UI, UX, what's the user experience, um, a lot of those changes are done technically, right? Whether you're adding a chat box or whatever it happens to be. Um, what we care about is what Google's UI, UX is, because I argue they're the most important visitor in any given day because they dictate how many visitors end up coming. And so you have to make technical changes to the site to accommodate them and to be able to speak their language. So just like users, you know, speak different languages and have different, you know, calls to action that work, the same thing is true with Google. 
And so there's, there's literally technical changes that need to happen to a website's tech stack for you to be able to communicate with them. And a lot of sites don't even know that they literally aren't communicating to Google at all. <laughs> they're uncrawlable. They're, you know, Google comes and goes and doesn't, under, doesn't pick up really anything. So you do have to make, you have to think about it, like what's the UI UX experience for Google? And that really is a technical uh, challenge. Does, does that mean that the Google search algorithm is gonna drive what the UI UX for your visitor is? Or is there a way to kind of manage those as two different audiences? There's the front end so I can have it look, feel and act the way I want, but then have it maybe translate it on the back end so that, so that Google likes it better or are they one and the same thing? No, it's now it's actually officially different. So I think this is the biggest change that Google's made in 10, 15 years. Now you can actually give a complete, there's a thing called dynamic rendering and you can give Google a totally separate version of your site. Now the content and the products and everything need to match up, but you can actually give them a version that's much more simplified. You know, it gets rid of all this, the front end stuff that confuses them. So yeah, you literally can give them a different version. It needs to be the same content and information, but you can present it in a totally different way. And that's, that's dynamic rendering. That's what Huckabye's SEO cloud is about. That's um, the future of SEO, in my opinion, is being able to actually communicate with them directly rather than, than them having to come through the user version of the site. So you showed that um, you made a, an off-the-cuff statement, you know, Google has more resources than God, basically. Um, I think it's somewhere close. It's at least a close competition. Um, and I, I know, I, I know one issue that, that worries more people. I hear more people worried about this is you used to think of people used to think of SEO as earned attention. Um, and, and, and your SEO ranking was an asset. Um, I wonder, is it, is it becoming more of a rent it? channel as opposed to an earned slash owned channel because as you build more and more for google doesn't your destiny get controlled more and more by google this is a that's a great question and it's one that i remember the very first time i explained seo to the board of overstock that was their immediate concern it was like we're going to be you know addicted to google and not be able to get off and <clears throat> you know our revenue will be dependent on them the truth is, is that it's like not participating in the American economy, right? Like if you're not going to participate, Google's arguably a larger economy than the American economy. Like it is, it touches something like 85% of 90% of large transactions in, in the world. So you're either a participant or you're not. And I'd rather be a participant in a successful one than not. And, uh, so they're going to dictate a lot of commerce and a lot of sales and a lot of revenue. And whether we like it or not, um, unless we see, you know, a, a violent shift towards Bing, which I don't see happening anytime soon, or, you know, one of these other channels, but it, it controls a lot. And I'd rather be a participant in that economy than not. So, so, and my, and my point here is not so much that, that you know, it's not Google versus Bing. I don't. I, I agree with you. That would um, that 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 would be more shocking than um, I don't. Actually, any analogy I'd bring, it would not be. Would just open up a, a whole uh, vicious can of worms. Like I know, I know, 
I know people who have run, who run businesses that had gotten a lot of business from, um, from Google. Then, then all of a sudden someone else gets the snippet or, or what I'm hearing yeah. even more. Like I know somebody, they're in the mortgage business. They built this really great mortgage calculator. They designed it all for Google and they were, and, and now you go uh, there yeah. and Google has their mortgage calculator and you have zero yeah. click searches and things like that. Um, and Google, like, is this all a big head fake for Google to get everything set up for them to kind of become Amazon and say, hey, that's selling really well. We'll create our version of that product. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't actually answer your, your first question about rented versus. But you owned. gave a good, but you gave a good answer. That was, it was, it was fascinating. So <laughs> I think, um, so you, you still own the, so first thing out of the box. Yes, they are trying to control the transactions and they're trying to have you not leave Google for almost anything. So now with those rich enhancements, you actually don't have to leave like a lot of the time. And that's one of their main KPIs, I'm sure. Like I'm sure of it. So that's happening, whether we like it or not. <clears throat> um, and it is, you know, it, it's scary. It's absolutely scary. Uh, again, just going like, this is my world. So I'm not as daunted by it. I'd rather, so we literally build product to capture those opportunities. And we see it as, and we personally, like as Huggabye, we see it as an opportunity for our customers to actually gain ground on competition. Like any algorithm update or anything that Google does, there's both winners and losers. And you just want to be on the winning side. Like everybody thinks about the, the drop off or the potential failure or, you know, they're going to come in and, and you know, feature something above you and all of a sudden your business. We, there's also a winner in that transaction. Now, Google is becoming the winner <laughs> often. <laughs> But uh, a lot of times they still like, they're not, they're not in the mortgage business. They might get ads from it and they actually, they are very heavily in the mortgage business, but they're not actually going to start, right. you know, underwriting loans and, and doing stuff like that. So yeah. there's still going to be someone that profits from it. Um, Google's obviously going to, they're always going to profit from pretty much everything. I just want to be aligned yeah. with uh, sort of where they're going. Cause I think if you ignore it and then it becomes a risk, if you're actually paying attention to it and, and making sure that you're on top of it, then it could be an asset. So Google's, I was going to say, as you brought that up, Google's kind of like the house or the casino. You may win, but Google's definitely not losing. <laughs> right. That's a fact. So, so SEO was the original, um, you don't have to outspend, you can outsmart your competition. You know, you even mentioned when you, when it got presented to you, you went to your board, you showed how like for free you could build this audience, but the reality was it wasn't free. You built a staff of 40 people, um, mm -hmm. to, you know, to be able to do that. And, but you know, that notwithstanding, you know, first it was SEO was the don't outspend out, think your competition. Then it was inbound. And now I look at SEO and I see it increasingly controlled by fewer and fewer people. And is it still a place where, you can outthink instead of outspend your competition. Can you be a, a you know, larger, small, mid-market company and really, and, and I don't mean direct commerce, because obviously if you're direct commerce, you, you have no choice. I'm going to get to a fun subject about that in a minute. But can you not have the biggest budget and win the SEO game today? You can. Yeah, you can. I think there's sort of two points there. One is that there are key players that are dominating, right. And making it harder for small and medium businesses. Um, that's true to an extent, but one of the, 
the just brilliant things about about search is that the the mid to long tail never ends, right? So, um, especially as we get more comfortable, you know, you think about like what how we make queries uh, ten years ago versus how we know how to search Google and we've had this relationship with it now for like twenty years, so we actually know uh, how to interact with it, and so the tail is always available and the tail is actually so by the tail i mean like very long keywords very specific keywords that big corporations might not be thinking about that niche players are going to be fulfilling and the tail is actually the most profitable segment of the keyword uh batch because it's very specific people know what they want and they want to transact and no matter what the customer size is that we interact with there's always opportunity and they always discount um, their potential to compete. So I always joke with customers. I'm like, you, you think this is tough. You know, you're going out, who was it? We're uh, Vivint. We're Vivint, a company here that they do home security. Um, they're here in Utah. I was just there yesterday. And they're like, oh, it's so competitive. I'm like, try going up against Amazon for seven years and tell me about competition. Like, can you pick a worse competitor than Amazon? So there's no matter what size and Vivint's big, but all the way down to you know, we have some outdoor clothing brands that are small. Um, there's always opportunity from an SEO perspective, no matter what the size, because there's modifiers. There's, you know, you might search for a mortgage plus your city or your town. There's always these these niches of keyword density that, that end up being really important. And um, I think, yeah, no matter what size you are, you really you really want to participate in that in that game. And it's a game, I hate to say it, but that makes small fishes grow to be really big. Uh, almost every big brand has has some sort of really eBay, Amazon, Salesforce. I mean, all these brands have an incredible SEO presence, and that grew them as a really big part of their you know strategic growth. I don't know that I'm going to agree that Salesforce or eBay grew because of SEO. I think they got pretty big before this game played. Um, so I'm not sure which. I <clears throat> I'm not saying they don't take advantage of it. I'm not saying, but. Um, how did you first find eBay? Um, how did I first find eBay? I had a friend tell me about it. Okay. A lot of people, they're like something like 90% of their new customers came from organic search. So, so it's a big, it's a big driver. Um, I might get to some how to with you in a little bit, but I want to, um, is, is SEO, I still want to kind of question down SEO. Is, is SEO. <laughs> Come at me. I'm ready for it. Is you. SEO a commerce game now? Is it a transaction game? There, there was a day where if you were building, say, an advisory business or you were involved in complex, long sales cycles, that, that search was a really powerful tool to initiate journeys. It was a really powerful discovery tool. With mm -hmm. everything moving to intent-based, with the, with the move to mobile, with the move to all of these things, that certainly the winner is, if I want to buy something now, Google has made the winner if, if you can sell something now, it's easier to find the person who wants to buy something now. But, but what about the original zero moment of truth where that initial discovery took place and I became aware of and search was a massive place where that happened? I don't feel like it has that impact anymore. Am I wrong? Well, for such a skeptic, you do ask really interesting SEO questions because I've actually <laughs> never been asked this question in my life and I have my head's uh, churning to think about it. So I think directionally, you're correct. Uh, Google's going to be helping people get to a transaction quicker because it's more profitable for them. So directionally, I think you're correct. I still think though that 
a lot of large purchases that have a long sales cycle, um, the first few touches are extremely important. <clears throat> They're important from starting to control the conversation, which is also like branding. And when you are doing research on a very uh, important purchase, you do spend a lot of time on Google. Um, and so I, I think for the longer sales cycle type products, it's still very important, but they're going to be pushing you somewhat to transact quicker. Not just Google, the websites that you land on are going to try to get you in the sales funnel ASAP, you know, on the first visit, you look at all the sort of conversion rate optimization stuff. So I think just like, it's not just Google that's trying to push towards that transaction, but just all businesses see the importance of conversion rate optimization. But we've also um, grown smarter as consumers. And so we don't fall for that stuff as easily as we used to. So it still ends up being a pretty long sales cycle. It's like no matter, you know, what sales pipeline you get into, you don't necessarily buy the product. Um, we've all experienced that. So I think it's one, just like the whole industry of what, you know, the whole sort of, I don't know, the whole industry is heading towards this sort of faster conversion rate, you know, give it to me now, but you still have to make those first impressions. It's still very important. Like if you, one of the things that's interesting about SEO is like, if you look at its attribution is always really hard for SEO because it's very often is the first thing. And then you start to get the retargeting ads and then you start getting the emails. And so you end up coming through all these channels, but the very first one is often SEO. And so it's actually gets undervalued. So <clears throat> I think um, that importance of sort of first, first in mind, you know, is still really important. Uh, but you're right directionally. It's, it's everyone's trying to close, close, close. Is the technical game different if you're playing that that first stimulus, first research? Do, do you set it up technically different or is it still just as important and it's the same basic keys? Technically, it's the exact same. Okay. It's more um, like after the fact, like what's your content about? All those other like touchy-feely things about SEO. But from a technical perspective, they're a, they're a computer they're a robot. They don't know. <laughs> you know that's what's so funny about Google. It's like at the end of the day, they're still a machine. And so you can kind of figure out what the machine's doing, but you, you got to talk to it. Like it's a machine. That's the technical side. So, so we talked about the main SEO punchline uh, earlier with Bing. Um, and I, and I shared with you that I don't really, I, I agree. I don't think Bing is the threat. Here's the threat that I see to Google search. And I'm curious what you think about it. And, and by the way, I'm not saying this is a high probability threat. Um, but it's the category of the threat that I see. What are, you th what are your thoughts about a provider like DuckDuckGo that is promising to protect your data as this whole data issue is getting bigger and I have no doubt that it will continue to mushroom? Do, do you see a DuckDuckGo, and I'm not saying that company necessarily specifically, but that type of provider um, becoming, a, you know, disrupting the, S the, the search market um, and if that happens, does that change the SEO game? I love this podcast. I've never been asked any of these questions and I go on a lot of podcasts. So <laughs> I'm like super impressed right now. You're really making me think. Um, I don't, I, I actually don't. So I do think that people will become more aware of their online privacy 
and that the major players, the Facebooks, the Googles will bend as a result rather than being supplanted by a, a different uh, company. So I think that's kind of how that will go down. I don't see, and we're just so dependent, you know, our Gmail and our, you know, we, we're, if you think about it, the number of touches you have with Google a day, I mean, it's just mind blowing. So I don't see that. Um, I see it going down uh, basically as they'll, they'll be more, as we get more upset, they'll be more willing to, uh, to accommodate. Um, the real threat I think for them is the increase in voice search. And for the first time, it's a level playing field because a lot of voice searches are happening through Alexas and Apple devices. So for the first time, they have legitimate competition um, when it comes to search because no one has really nailed the voice search game and it might not be Google. Like there was this, I, I always tell the story of like, do you remember when there was like a 10% people accessing the internet online on their phones and 90% was on desktop. And then they introduced like the trio and that just ticked up to like 11% because it was still impossible. And the user experience was so terrible. You have a stylus and it'd take like two minutes to load a web page. And then came, but then all of a sudden the user experience swapped where it just became, you know, you had your iPhone, the connection speed started getting faster and it became just as easy. And then all of a sudden in like a six month period, it became the opposite. It was like 90% mobile, 10% desktop. I think that same thing is gonna happen with voice, but the user, we're kind of in the trio days where it's still janky. People don't know how to use it. You know, we're not, I'm not comfortable with ordering things through, you know, my Google home. Um, but the user experience is going to catch up where it becomes easier than actually interacting with a device uh, by typing. So that's a really unique challenge for them that they don't think they've faced in a really long time where a lot of the activity is happening on Amazon and Apple devices. And it's actually easier because Amazon's plugged into the world's largest retail, you know, e-commerce company. And it becomes really easy through Apple to do a ton of things as well. So I think from a competition perspective, that's their real threat. Um, I, I think that's really interesting to think about. Yeah. When are people just going to like throw up their hands and just sort of be done? I also think though the younger generation is even more comfortable than we are with sort of all the tracking and whatnot. So that's, you know, uh, so I, I, all, yeah, really point. I, I'm, I'm going to tend to agree with you there. I mean, as far as like Google and uh, Facebook and others bending their policies, I, I just, as much as like people of our generation want to say Google's a bunch of assholes, they're one of the evil empires, et cetera. Like, no, what the hell am I going to do with, with, well, Google is too. What the hell am I going to, what am I going to do without them? Um, you know, it's like yeah. banks are evil. Yeah, but I don't think too. that, I, I don't think that's a real choice. I think that's a fake choice. That, that, that mistakes the whole point of disruption, right? That, that's, that's what makes industries ripe to disruption is when you look at it and you say, what are we going to do without them? But what are we right, going to do without, but, without the bells? But oh, to, we're going to have to, cell phones. To, to Jeff's point, I think all of these generations that are now growing up, they, they don't, they're, they're used to being tracked. They don't, they don't care. Like our generation, we say, we say all the time, like, thank God we did not have phones and, and easy cameras when we were in college because 
if any of that ever got exposed, game over. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. I don't, I don't think this whole okay. data privacy, this, the, the, the move towards more awareness around environment and climate driven by young people, the move around data privacy and the issue of saying this is not okay. That is not driven by you and me. That is driven by young people. The, the, those are the millennials that are coming in saying no, no, no. Cause I'll tell you, there's not a business on the planet that cares what you and I think. We're, we're not the target demo. They're, they're not listening to us. So I think the danger of what we just said there is I, I, I think that the young people are, more, are probably a little bit more accepting of it right now because they're so used to using it. But, but they're also the ones that are going, you know, I don't like the way this is. And, and, and so it's going to be one of them that's going to, somebody sometime is going to disrupt Google. That, I think a lot about sort of the um, what we call like the technology gap. So if you think of what it would take to get up, catch up from a user experience to Google as any search, I mean, take Microsoft, one of the most, prop, you know, talk about having dollars to throw out a, a problem and they can't even make a dent. Whereas there's other things like Facebook that can like got disrupted by Twitter and Instagram like instantly where overnight, you know, all of a sudden they're threatened. I think Google has a really big technology gap when it comes to search and just how they're so strategic and how plugged in we are to them, even un unknowingly in a lot of cases, like most companies, most employees don't know that their company email is run by Google and they're all of their email, right? Like that's not even really known by a lot. So I think there is a technology gap there that allows them to be in a better situation than some other technology companies, I guess I'd say. Uh Although what I'll say too is what you just described was Microsoft in 1997. Mm -hmm. And then they fucked up. Right now they, oh, yeah. they tried to self-correct it when one day Bill Gates killed $500 million of in pipeline product to say, we are now a web company. But yep. I mean, if, if you think that Google's got a, a technology gap around search, They've got nothing compared to what Microsoft had at that time, which was the operating system, mm -hmm. right? And so like the things are going to get disrupted, right? And, and, and if they, we forget that the definition of disruption means it's unpredictable. If we could have predicted the disruption, then it, we, we would find some other term. We would say that was an expected change. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, I would just, on that point, I got two more things to make this, like to really embrace this. We got a little bit too technical, Mike. We were like too much of a standard interview show. We got to bring it back to sports radio, right? <laughs> um, so I have a prediction about what voice search is going to do. Cause I agree with you. I think, I think voice is well on its way to complete the hype cycle. Um, then it'll go into the something or whatever of disillusionment. And that's when it'll actually get real. And then all of a sudden they'll spring back up. I think voice is here to stay. Um, I worry about it for the same reason I worry about mobile. I think, I think search originally helped make us smarter and I think it's increasingly making us dumber. I think it's um, echoing the echo chamber where it used to open us up and I'll tell you There's why a in a second. There's a talk radio point. I like that. So here, so I'm going to weave this into a prediction, that philosophy with a prediction. I'm going to let you guys tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I believe that voice is going to make mobile much more irrelevant but it's also gonna bring back the importance of desktop. I think it's gonna reinforce desktop and here's why. Mobile is what you go to to act. If you wanna buy, if you wanna find a restaurant, if you wanna do something, you're on mobile. 
if you want to think or consider, you're on desktop. Like my customer doesn't research how to improve their customer acquisition. They're not on their mobile device going, hey, let me look at, they're, they do that on their desktop. They do that at their desk or sitting on their couch or something like that. And I think mobile kind of brought those two things together. And I think voice is going to become the place where you go for action and that will reopen up the opportunity for desktop to be the place that you go for consideration. What do you think about that? Do I get to jump in on these, these points? You do. You like get to interrupt me. Yes. I can interrupt you. Just yeah. Like you get to interrupt radio. me. You don't have to show me any respect at all. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. So Voice search in mobile is way more convenient than any other application right now. Desktop's going away and the future is voice to screen. So voice to TV, you, there's a visual element. You're absolutely right about the desktop, but the desktop no longer has the upside in terms of computing value and all that. So it's gonna be, why not have a bigger screen? It's gonna be voice to screen. The screens are gonna start to be um, like your TV, the, your office device is going to be like your TV. So voice is going to become desktop. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think the desktop's going away and that voice to screen so, will take over. So what you're saying is the keyboard is going away. Yes. Right. But and you're but, like regular monitor. And, uh, I just think you, if you look at the, like the computing and this is like directionally where sort of what enables these, these you're gonna always use the most, most convenient device for whatever you're trying to accomplish the, the easiest path. And still for your desktop, there is a bunch of stuff that makes it the easiest path, um, but the, it's not gonna stay that long. Cause it, right so, now your, your, your phone can almost do almost anything. And so I think it's well, going voice to screen. It, 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 your phone can do anything, but my phone is not what I wanna, um, just as an example, I have a Kindle app on my phone. I don't use my phone for my Kindle unless I'm sitting somewhere and I'm absolutely bored and there's nothing else to do. And I go, okay, I'll open up my Kindle book. It's nice that it's there. But when I want to read, I use either my iPad or I, I actually have a Kindle um, mm -hmm. because it, it, it's more conducive for that. When I'm trying to figure out how to improve my email deliverability, I'm not, when I'm researching a paper, when I'm putting a, a plan together, when I'm preparing my deck for the for the board or my next raise. I'm not doing that research on a phone. I'm doing that research on a desktop because I, I, it, it's more conducive. So I'm gonna ask you, like the thing that I know that scares people about voice is voice gets rid of page one and it just becomes search one. Search one becomes mm -hmm. page one. And when I'm, when I'm trying to discover, when I'm trying to research, and this is why I said search used to make us smarter because it exposed us to a broader sense. And increasingly, like I look at the variance in a search result now, it is much less than it used to be. I used to, be, I used to find something on page one that I didn't expect that turned out to be, oh, that's where I want to go. That happened much more frequently than it happens today. And I think voice is going to take that further as we go to one. Now, if you're saying it's going to project to a screen, well, now some of those other choices might come in and I'm going to ask you, are we moving to a minority report future where I'm going to have this thing on my hand so that like the saying the first search is easier to say it out loud. Like I agree with you than, than typing, but then being able to click on this and click on that and, and, and so forth, that's easier than speaking something. So are we going to a yeah. minority report future? I think so. I, I just think there's a visual element that, to search that like 
you can't get it's like why we watch movies and don't just listen to you know someone reading a book like there's a visual element that's necessary for search and it's actually become more visually stimulating than getting 10 blue links back you can you can see a lot you can interact with search results in a way that you haven't been able to do before so i just yeah my my theory around like the screen and and why voice to screen is important is is because of that visual aspect that i i think is really important and not not going away so um that's just uh you know that's that's just the future that's like i i don't know how much like the hand touching and all that like that technology needs to something's going to pan out but i do sure. think like the idea of like sitting down at a desk and and like having your your you know your desktop computer like those days i think are are kind of winding down you know i'm interesting I, I would say I, I mean my challenge with that is I, if i think about like my my life as a consumer I I would have to I, I would agree with you that 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 would be nice that, that you know speech to screen type scenario where I'm searching through things, but I use a ton of different tools day in and day out that require me to interact with them. Whether that be spreadsheets, I mean, people said spreadsheets were going to go away long time ago. Um, yeah, you know I, I still I, say spreadsheets are the greatest innovation of the computer age. They're a pain in the you know what but they're probably, they probably have the biggest impact of everything else combined. I'm sorry, go on. So I just think in the uh, <laughs> long, long story short, I mean, I think if you like, one, you're a software developer and which people are becoming more and more of like, hey, I want to, you know, these no code uh, type scenarios where I want to go build my own application, et cetera. I mean, how are you going to do that in a speech to speech to screen world? So again, I think in the B2C world, I, I can absolutely see that. I, I just don't see a desktop going away. And the more you're, you know, uh, the more you're trained to use a desktop, the more, in a lot of instances, you're comfortable with it. Like I don't pull out my phone to do anything unless it's like a two minute task or I don't know, maybe I'm taking a shit. So I'm going to read an article. You know, you, I'm one of the, I'm one of those guys. So you, you, you pull out your phone to act. I, I would say, by the way, you said B2B, I'm sorry, B, for B2C. I would say B2C or B2B transaction. By the way, B2C consideration, if I'm trying to figure out where I want to live, I'm, I'm trying to find, I'm, I'm researching neighborhoods. That, right, that's a, lar that's saying, a large, that's a large purchase, right, yeah. Right, I'm saying, I'm saying that, that when, when risk is at play, when it's, when you're in heavy consideration, um, mobile is not conducive to that environment. Totally agree. So Jeff? Um, I, I think less about the applications that we're on and more about how we sort of act. So I don't see, I think search is, search is not going away <laughs> um, despite what application you're accessing it on. We have seen a real uh, increase in the diversity of applications and there's some hits and there's some misses for sure. Um, you know, the iPhone was a hit um certain others have you know the trio was a miss um so we'll just see i think you're right uh mike that we are somewhat trained like writing i always say like good writing is sort of the most missed upon like you can't find good writers anymore it, like it, at, under a certain age like it, they just don't even exist whereas like we all uh, oh and you know, i'm not 
I'm not. You I'm just not. offended an entire generation, Jeff. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm only 38, but like we we have a we have a really good writer on our team that's young, and and I'm just like this is so rare. I look at the rest of the team and just like the emails they send. I'm like, come on, like this is just. And it's also my mom's an API school English teacher, so I. I Got kind of the, the Jeff is for the GEOFF is after Jeffrey Chaucer. So I kind of got drilled uh -huh. through the head on, on writing and all that. But Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what app, I don't know what applicant or what like device is going to end up winning. Um, I do think, you know, there is going to be a shift towards, towards sort of these hands-free devices that you don't have to be typing, but um, who knows when it's going to happen. Um, but I do think that, you know, just the, the accessibility to information is not going away. People want to have that stuff at their fingertips. Oh, well, Search still is I, like absolutely. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a true. I mean, a real for instance. I mean, shit. When my, you know, I got two young kids, and it's actually quite amazing to watch what what they're able to do on when when they yeah. say, "Hey, can I borrow your phone?" And I'm like, "Dude, right. how did you go find that?" And 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 they both have alexas they you know they know how to you know do all of this search you know voice search um etc it comes so naturally um, to them too it's well, like amazing. But let me, let, it's all they it's all they i mean it's yeah. what they've been trained i i hate to be the um elderly uh um elder statesman like, yeah there you go but <laughs> we're 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 forgetting why why are there not as many good young writers as there used to be. I, I have no data to say if that's true, but I believe that's true. And, and I'll tell you why I think that is. I think it's because they write less. And, and by write, I mean the physical idea of writing. When, when we write something, we have our brain behaves totally differently than when we type something. There's a different thought process. There's a different understanding process. There's a learning that goes on. So when you handwrite, and then you have to correct, your brain is actually learning. It's practicing. And so you're learning how to write. When I have to type and then someone edits and I have to, even if I have to retype, there is no learning that takes place. When I read off a paper, the, the stimulus starts in the frontal cortex and goes through the brain. There's a thinking, there's an executive function. There's a thinking process to it. When I read something off of the screen, it goes directly to the bottom of the brainstem right to the amygdala, I don't mean to get all sciencey here, and we think differently and we behave differently. Um, why are people meaner on Twitter? You know, weren't they thinking? Yeah. No, they physically weren't thinking because that's not how the stimulus works. Yeah, I think that is a huge fundamental problem and, and that the, the rarity of um, a young person really uh, taking the time to exercise their brain and think things through and edit and put thought into a single sentence um, doesn't exist as much. And that is exercising a very important part of the brain that, that isn't getting exercised as much anymore. Uh, That's because we say it's useless to teach people how to, how, like, I've heard people say teaching cursive is useless. They're just gonna type on a keyboard. Well, yeah, from a vocational standpoint, it's useless, but we were no better as kids. We weren't some like, Yes, I'm going to invest in myself and learn. No, we we did that because we had no other choice. We had to write. At least I did because I walked uphill both ways, right? <laughs> I, we had to write on a piece of paper. The, that's yeah. part of what I'm saying is this technology was designed to make us smarter, and I'm scared that it's making us dumber. I, I want to hit on two points before we run out of time because you talked about visual. I agree with you 100% about visual, and I'll tell you there's nothing you said today that scares me more 
than that. And, and, and the reason is Google already has tremendous power to make me do what I don't know that I want to do because it wants me to do it. Well, when you start talking about that visual element to it, oh my God, the neuroscience behind that, literally they will be able to dictate to our brains what we do and we won't know that. How are we going to manage that? And I'll get to another well, point a lot of that, that doesn't matter. I think matter. a lot of that's already, yeah, a lot of that's already happening. Um, I mean, just to be cognizant of it is, is important, but I think you see, you know, you, you go to a, a concert and you see everybody with their phones up, you go to, you know, a, you get a, 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 a train and everybody's staring at their cell phone. Like, I think we're already fully trained. <laughs> so like this, you're scared is like reality already. So I'll take it like a step further. Like I think, you know, and, and I can catch myself doing this all the time. And I'm sure you can catch yourself doing it all the time. Like I think we're already pretty drained. Um, but, but we ain't seen nothing until it goes to visual. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's, it's, they, they don't build these applications without taking neuroscience into, a, into consideration oh. in addiction. So they, they want you addicted. And in well, you a know, lot of cases we are. Google used to have an ethicist on staff, not anymore. Oh, really? um, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually check out his podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the guy's podcast. He, um, um, really, really interesting guy. He was actually on Bill Maher when I first saw him and, and Mars like digital, his title was digital ethicist. Like what's that? And wow, what he that's said was, amazing. he said at Google, we can basically get you to do whatever we want you to do. Yeah. The technologist jobs was determined was to figure out what can we do? My job was to advise Google on whether or not we should do that. Mm-hmm. He, he's not there anymore. <laughs> um, Mike's worried that 30 years from now he's going to find me. I'm going to have some like really long beard or something. I'm going to be off the grid completely, etc. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be the Leonardo the, the the Leonardo DiCaprio character in uh, when he was Howard Hughes, right? I'm going to have long yep. fingernails. I'll be so so. Here's what we're saying. I'm going to I'm going to boil this up and let us really drive it home. And um, with this, what we're saying is, hey Doug, all those fears might be valid, et cetera, but you know, it is what it is. And Google's the largest conversation in the world. Um, what we're saying is Google's a utility and, and whether you like it or not, you got to pay the Google tax. Is that what we're saying? I think of them more as an economy. So uh, it's like my point earlier, you either participate in the American economy or you don't. And if you don't, you know, you, you are off the grid and with long fingernails and just getting weird. <laughs> But, but I do think it's, it's, but a, that's the definition of a tax. That is a tax. That is, there's a Google tax. If you, like, if I were to start a retail company, I have no choice. You got to do AdWords. You got to do, you, you got to do all those things or you have no choice. That is, there's frankly no difference. There's, there's a difference um, legally. There's a difference maybe even philosophically, but fundamentally there's no difference between um, Tony saying, Hey, if you want me to protect your store, you got to pay. And Google saying, if you want anybody to know that you exist, you got to pay the Google tax. Well, I'm then, uh, I'm fighting the tax. Um, I took Google spend at Overstock from like a million down to like 40,000 a month. Yeah. And that's what I hearing. don't spend anything on Google AdWords with Huckabye because I think it drives terrible customers and terrible leads. So, but I'm also playing their game, but I'm playing it from an SEO perspective and I'm happy to do that. I'd rather swim downstream than against it and i think it's just my what's so mind-boggling about it is it is in a lot of ways a tax but it's like a dumb tax because uh 
it's like an idiot tax, you know, like they call like the lottery or whatever. I, so, that is, that is awesome. I, cause <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like we spend no money on Google ads. That's the, fine. But you spend no money on Google ads. The Google tax is not just ads. The Google tax is 40 people in an SEO department. The Google tax is Mike. I know you're spending a whole lot more yeah, but time business, on. Right. But what business doesn't in the history of businesses didn't have to do some level of marketing or, or, or spend. I mean, this is, it's the different way of marketing. Well, well, there was a day that Google didn't control the entire um, ecosystem as, so we're not talking about, let, let's be clear here. We're not talking about search. We're talking about Google search. Google's an economy. Google's a government. Google's in a government. I mean, that's what they are. Uh, actually, they're a Delaware Corp. That's worth uh, a significant. They, you know, they publicly disclose their their, anyway. <laughs> their GDP <laughs> is larger than many many countries. I guarantee you that. Oh no, for sure. But, I, that's why I think of them in terms of an, being an economy. Like they're an online economy. That's like the biggest country in the world, and that's really how I think about them. Um, I'm not, you know, to like when we were talking earlier about, okay, like you either. You either play the game or you don't, right? And and yes, they are a huge part of the game. And I'm uh, obviously playing the game. You know, I have a company that is built to play the but, game. By the way, Jeff, I'm fascinated by what you do, and I and I, I am going to learn more about what what you guys do at um, Huckabye. Did I get that Huckabye? Because yep. I keep wanting to say Huckabee, and I know that's not right, but Huckabye. So I got that. Yep. Um, I, I'm I'm fascinated by that, and what I'm talking about here obviously has nothing to do with um, with with, with that the we're all free enterprise people here right mm -hmm. um, my point yep. is that google's not free enterprise anymore I, I get you have to play a game but you don't have a choice we're not talking about playing the game we're talking about playing google's game right now jeff you made the statement and, and i don't i can't disagree with it hey doug your choice is play their game or don't play the game. And as much as playing their game might hurt, you'll make it hurt less, right? Let's get a plug-in for you, right? You'll make it hurt <laughs> less. Um, but it will hurt less than not playing their game. I, I can't argue with that. Or right? it's going to be great, right? Or, or you, you grow an Amazon or you grow uh, well, a buy, you know, or it, it, can, it can pay some big dividends as well. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't disagree. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that the rewards aren't there. I'm saying that there's no free enterprise here. I mean, we basically said, we basically all acknowledge that Google is a monopoly. Um, I mean, oh, for sure they are, but um, we, we can all make the choices, right? Like if I, if I really wanted to not, I, I do choose not to advertise on Google. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty daunting. They're, they're pretty daunting, but they do, um, I think there are a lot of sort of uh, getting close to, you know, conspiracy theories and, and stuff. They're, they're basically a hard driving, you know, company that's trying to make as much money as possible. Like that, that's who they are. And their decisions are now like the ethicist is gone and they, they just care about, you know, the bottom line and, and growing and, and keeping to controlling our lives. So when you create that and it then becomes a, a, its own economy and its own thing, yeah, there's a lot of negative, you know, stuff that goes along with that. Let's keep in mind, though, that they are not a country. 
they are a company and they I that's why they're a country they're not, out, they're they're not out to they're not our government they're not out to protect us that's not their goal their goal is very open and honest that they you know they're meant to make money and grow Hold on. and i their think goal that is very open their goal is very open their goal is not very honest because their goal their stated goal the honest stated goal is to unlock all the information in the world no that's mm -hmm. not what their goal is their goal is to to monetize every penny they can possibly monetize whether that's it, good for us or not yeah right? i think that's shifted like the ethicist is gone you know that's 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 and, their their end to make money and in the 1900s, in the very early 1900s, you could choose not to work with Standard Oil. I mean, you didn't have to work with Rockefeller, right? And in the 1970s, you could choose not to use AT&T. And in the 1990s, you could choose not to use Windows. And so we're forgetting when we talk about disruption, someone's going to disrupt Google. Either, by the way, the only reason Microsoft wasn't disrupted was because the world changed. And so it became unnecessary. Remember, Microsoft lost the EU antitrust suit. How can you say Google, that Microsoft hasn't been disrupted? I mean, they've been massively so, disrupted. I said they were disrupted. The, the, the internet disrupted Microsoft. Oh, okay. You just said a second ago that they weren't. No, I, I mean, they weren't disrupted. So they weren't disrupted um, directly. It wasn't like someone, someone took what Microsoft was doing. and. And I would say Google didn't disrupt Microsoft. The internet disrupted Microsoft and Google took advantage of the internet because Google wasn't even really a player by the time Microsoft had lost an awful lot of their, their valuation. They certainly weren't public at the time. So the only reason Microsoft wasn't broken up was by the time it would have actually gotten to the point of broken up, the desktop operating system was no longer the core. Remember when we all worried about, you know, wait, Explorer is being given away for free. Uh, let's, let's not forget Netscape doesn't exist because of that, right? Mark Anderson's doing okay. Um, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and you already see it happening, and I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to be initiated in the U.S. But when we talk, and I actually think we're going to be better off when this happens. I really do. I'm going to, I'm, I'm sending like a lot of my, it's not actually my, my, my normal philosophy, but, but governments are going to disrupt Google if, if an entrepreneur doesn't. Because when companies, there has never been a company in history with the power of Google or the power of Facebook. And by the way, Google only looks good because of Facebook. Um, I, I know what you said earlier, Mike, and I agree with you, these, relatively speaking. These statements um, are wild. I don't even know when to jump in and try to- Jump in whenever. When, when has a company <laughs> ever in history had the power that they have that hasn't been broken up? Amazon, Google, and Facebook. There's never been a time in history where, where a company has exerted that level of power and control and they haven't been broken up. Amazon is standard oil. Amazon is vertically integrating. Well, they all compete with each other, first off. So you've got three yeah, they and they're all dead they set competitors. Yes, they do. They do not compete with Amazon each other. Amazon is Google's largest search competitor. You know this. The number one search competitor That's for Google true. is Amazon. And Apple competes directly with Google. And Facebook competes directly with Google what? and Apple and Amazon. So you have four very big power players, no doubt about it, but they all compete directly with one another. This is not a standard oil where you're the only ones that have access. Standard to oil, oil wasn't the standard Any oil company. wasn't the only one. And and the, it wasn't oil, it was the railroads that they bought. 
but I just don't see that. I don't, you know, when you, when you literally are saying you've got three most controlling companies of the world of all time, yet they all directly compete against each other. That's just an oxymoron. They, they ancillary compete against each other. By the way, Amazon's, Amazon's vertical integration where Amazon breaks antitrust laws is they control the pipes with AWS. They control the distribution with the stores and they can control who gets shown in the distribution as they systemically either buy companies for less than they're worth or create their own offering for that. So Amazon's AWS, their number one competitor is Google Cloud, which is eating up yeah, massive market. Their number one competitor is Azure. Their number one competitor is Azure, and, and, N- not and for, no one's like, touching AWS right now. Oh, no, that I would argue. Like, Google, <laughs> think, Google and Google, Azure are starting, I mean, to, are starting Google's, to... Their biggest, their biggest investment, or one of their biggest investments is in SEO Cloud, which is directly pitted against AWS and is gaining market share. We just switched everything in the last year to Google Cloud. Of course it's gaining market share. That's, I, I'm just telling you guys- don't compete. Like they, I'm they telling you guys- They're more competitive than any other companies. Like these are really strategic companies. Okay, so- And they're just doing battle. Like they're competitors. Right. You gotta admit- are They are not, so, well, that's called an oligarch, by the way, but go on. All right, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here because I, I know I know we're <laughs> running up on time. And See, I, I want them I, over, but now I've I, lost them, right, Mike? I, I, I know, yeah, I, right. I, but I absolutely. You know what, Jeff? You and I are in in the same place on 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 so much of this. And look, I, I, I this this is a philosophical argument in, in, in a lot of instances uh, that, that that we're having here. But hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I run a business. I, I'm going to participate in the, the Google economy. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I want to know the most efficient way to do it. And obviously, you're one of the experts that's out there. <laughs> so one, so I, I love this idea of dynamic rendering. I love the idea of, um, you know, some of the technical changes that you can do to actually write for uh, better positioning, et cetera. Again, I'm going to participate. Yeah. I, hey, I'm participating I have, one too. One question I have is, no, 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 I know, but one question that I have that I did <laughs> I, I like that Austin, Austin Powers when he wakes up and he's like, how did those, did those capitalist bastards finally get their due? And they're like, no, Austin, we won. And he's like, yay, capitalism. <laughs> so so here, here's That's the question that I, right having you on, I, 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 would, I would love to get your take on this. Um, obviously, Firefox and, and others have, have moved away from third-party cookies. Google's going to be doing it soon. What impact, what can people do? I have my own opinions, but I'm not going to get into those. What can people do from your perspective to prepare themselves for that um, so that they can continue to, you know? What, what are your overall yeah. thoughts? Um, well, you got to get to the source, right? Like that, that sort of first impression is going to become so much more important. Um, you got to be capturing emails and be like trustworthy enough to like get into someone's inbox. Um, yeah, a lot of the, like, it is pretty, you know, black hat and sleazy what, what we've gotten away with as marketers for years. And I think it's great that it's getting kind of trued up. I was actually the guy that, you know, this is kind of a creepy thing, but I, I invented the fact that you could click on products at Overstock and then they'd show you these, those exact products on your display ads. So it's like a really creepy thing that, I, that you know, I remember my mom freaking, freaking out and I'm, so I'm contributing to all that gnarliness, but I think it's good. And you, you, you know, you got to get to, you got to, you know, SEO is going to be increasingly important 
and so will uh, email and all those sort of technical investments. You can't do the shortcuts that you that you got away with for a while. Love it. So you and I are that, that that's awesome because it it is something that I've been thinking about a tremendous amount. And again, having an expert in this space uh, validate and and and, and uh, validate this is uh, is awesome. So so Jack, you're so much more agreeable, Mike, than Doug is. Just like generally, well, you know, yeah, but he's your, old. Is, is he's old. Your, like, he's get off my you. lawn. He's old, curmudgeonly, <laughs> everything that you know yeah. goes along with that. Jeff, before we uh, before we close this whole thing out, let everybody know how they can follow you, get in touch with you, learn about your your product. Let people know how to find you. Yeah, the best way is just going to huckabuy.com. Um, H-U-C-K-A-B-U-Y, like buy a product. If you fill out a contact us form and refer to this podcast, you actually get a discount on our products. So um, that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, happy to interact with your listeners. Um, that was super fun and interesting. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for participating. You can you can tell Finn, wait a second, you, did, you didn't quite warn me as much as I needed to be. <laughs> All in fun. For the great. record, I am 100% free enterprise, pro free enterprise. And I will argue with anybody that everything that I just said is actually far more, pre, far more pro pre enterprise. And yes, Mike, I agree with you. I too will pay the Google tax. Thanks for joining us <laughs> on this episode of the black line podcast until next time.